minus three is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Great odds and markets for those NBA finals. Not many games left there. The, uh, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball, and oh so much more. Great new and existing user promos. FanDuel's America's number one sportsbook for a reason, don't you know? Nay, multiple reasons. Like, it's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings delivered in as few as two hours. And of course, it's always fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. You discover the most popular ones each day right when you log in. And if you're new, just make sure you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. But be sure to help out your pals here at Minus 3 with the promo code Minus 3, the word minus the number 3, so they know we sent you. And with all that being said, Eddie Spaghetti, let's get it going. Minus 3. With Dave Damashek. Yes, hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus 3. Like I say, not many games left in the NBA season. Maybe just two, as a matter of fact. Celtics, just a couple left to go to hoist another trophy in a remarkable millennium for Boston sports fans. Fortunately, we have one of those people with us today, as always, in our second podcast of the week. Also, a holy day in Pittsburgh sports. It's the day in which the Cobra Dave Parker, I hope, if justice is served, destined for the Hall of Fame someday, and the and uh, the day Mario Lemieux was drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Therefore, that is the day that the Pittsburgh Penguins were reborn or became relevant at least. Let's get into all of it, shall we, with uh, with the guy I just mentioned there. It's Kevin Hench. How you feeling, man? Muzzle tough. Looking oh, good. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, a little, little premature, but, uh, you know, Wednesday night, last night was was incredible. It's so weird, these third quarters. I'm like, okay, apparently our move is to eat 10 hot dogs a piece and get stoned at halftime. Like, how, how does it, how, what are we doing at halftime? Are we swimming a mile what are we doing at halftime that we know the Celtics are going to get trucked in the third quarter every time? And so, you know, obviously the avalanche came, they went ahead, and then and then there was that little mini run, mini answer by the Celtics at the end of the third quarter where you're like, hey, we were only minus eight in that third quarter. It's like, how about you win a third quarter? Imagine how easy the fourth quarter would be if you could hold your own in the third quarter. So uh, whatever you're doing at halftime, do the opposite. But I uh, I do, you know, obviously, the closer you get to tasting it and feeling it, and we'll get into Spaghetti's Rangers in a bit, but, like, the more vulnerable you become, the more insane you become as a fan, you start to want it so badly. It was obviously a pipe dream two months ago and then a little less of a pipe dream a month ago. And then maybe again, now it's like, now you're favored by the, now it should happen. Now, so don't, favored. don't start. Yeah. I'm jiving when I say congratulations in advance and, uh, and Eddie's, I don't, I forget even who said that the Rangers were a lock to win the cup. Who was that spaghetti? Who said that? Or was that me? I don't remember who it was, but either way, congratulations again in, in advance on that cup too. Um, but I, I, under, what you don't want to be, is in the position where it's now, well, I talk about the curse of Sposta and how it plagues the player level, but as a fan, you don't want relief to be your primary emotion. You want euphoria to be the way you go. So 2-1, you're looking good here. Maybe the best thing uh, the dubs could do for you is to win a game so it feels competitive and you're hanging on the edge of your that seat. That would be great. I- that would be great for my nervous system if the dubs <laughs> win game four. I'll be totally relaxed. That'd be awesome. 
the worst. Well, let's dig in. Where do you want to? Where are we? I, we have a number of things I want to. Okay. I, well, I want to hit here, but do, I do want to look I do back. I want to talk about the series Draymond. Um, the, but you know, we talk about it all the time, like how sports bring out the absolute worst in us, and like Celtics are going to win. They're they're getting every rebound, every loose ball. They've withstood the storm. They're putting a fourth. They're, they're holding the Warriors to eleven points in the fourth quarter. There's a scrum. They die for the loose ball. Curry's writhing in pain, and I I immediately go to, "Ooh, is he? How badly is he? I'm like, yeah. it's so terrible. It's so terrible. Like, if you saw a guy get hit by a car, would you? You wouldn't think about it. how is that good for me? How is this going to work out for me? Like, I'm so I immediately feel filthy. I'm like, and it happens in a blink of an eye. You can't. You don't have time to process it. You're like, oh my, he could be. He could be really hurt. And like, what is wrong with us? What is wrong? Your with us? true because, heart revealed. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you're like, of course you're like, oh okay, he's going to stay in the game, but could he be eighty percent? Eighty percent would probably be fine. Just send and, him and your thoughts and prayers. That through. that that makes you sound like a good person. Just say Steph, that. Eighty percent. Play with his kids. He's fine. Steph Curry. I mean. uh, he, you know, we really have to start to measure him in, on that all-time list because I know, you know, we were talking about Durant and Bird earlier in the playoffs, and Durant clearly is the big loser of these playoffs, which is kind of delightful. Um, but Steph Curry, not just unguardable because pick your poison, like he finishes at the rim. He finishes at the rim better than Tatum does, by the way. He finishes in traffic. And if you and if you drop off him, obviously he's going to score the three. But beyond what he does individually, he's changed the game completely to the point where Rudy Gobert can be the defensive player of the year. And if he's on the court, he's killing your team. Then everybody just has to have five shooters who can spread the floor. And so, like, I'm watching Steph with, you know, deep admiration. And I'm like, you know, I don't know where the cognoscenti have him, but I'm positive it's too low on the all-time list. I'm with you, and I hear guys like Steve A. Smith weigh in on this and and essentially kind of passively impugn um, Steph by saying, like, he's the best shooter of all time, but he's not complete. Like, do you do you assume that all, all his points come on the perimeter? Do you watch his games? I mean, obviously, I know Stephen A. Smith watches the NBA, but it does ignore your point exactly. He's a great penetrator, and um, I would I would argue that Stephen A. Smith has said quite a few things in these playoffs that would indicate that he does not watch the games. But carry on. Well, uh, uh, a fair point to. Uh, to well, he talks about like, well, the Celtics are going home now, and they're a different animal at home. Like they're three and four. Yeah, they're worse. Yeah, they're off games they're at a home. They're animal, they, right? They've been better <laughs> on the road. Is that what you mean by different animal? Anyway. It is weird because the Celts look good, and we had uh, another highbrow Boston sports talker, uh, Coley from Barstool, on earlier in the week. Some really good analysis on all things Boston sports. I think actually you would enjoy it. And I summoned your name as well. As it's hard to hate all Boston fans as long as Coley and Hench walk the earth. Because, oh. yeah, well, you're obnoxious, but you at least can be honest about right. the shortcomings of your team. A lot of people have that blind spot. Um, but it is very weird. I think both of you have kind of observed this. And, and he pointed out, even in that victory, which was which was pretty there, there wasn't a ton of doubt. Obviously, the fourth quarter, uh, the third quarter, there was a moment there where you thought, like, ooh, geez. Um, but there was also a sense of 
are Steph and Clay going to be able to keep this up through the fourth quarter? And then as it turns out, I wonder what sort of emotional, spiritual impact it has on them going forward, sitting around and saying, well, Clay got back on track and Steph was lights out there for a stretch and he got into the mid thirties and everything else. And we still got essentially ultimately blown out of that game. Where do we go from here? And it goes back to the point I made before the series, like Jordan Poole. Um, and in the meantime, we've talked about how Steph is a victim of his own success um, because now a lot of guys are launching from 30. And I wonder if that all ultimately makes them push the three point stripe out or or do something to modify the rules because of the Rudy Gobert's of the world. And then, so there's the, t so like Mel Blunt, too dominant physically. We have to change the rules to free up the passing game. And then there's Tom Brady, who is like, he got hit in the knee. We can't have that anymore. So it's the Tom Brady rule. So it's an embarrassing rule that uh, applies, uh, that's owed to your Patriots hero. What's Draymond Green's legacy at this point? I mean, <laughs> he literally, I mean, this thing of like, I do with, with, with my little kids, I do the steamroller. Like, I'll lay them on the bed or whatever, and I'll be like, steamroller, and I, like, roll over them, and it's delightful fun. Um, Draymond Green's doing that to grown men on the NBA floor, and Jalen Brown on Wednesday, he put his butt on his face. Like, what the hell? What the hell? I mean, it didn't hurt him, but it no, the humiliation. Well, what gives? Draymond, it's so funny because, I, you know, I, I love – like I think Draymond is is such a smart guy, and he's, he's such a great listen and such a great interview, obviously, and 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 yet uh, completely loathsome on the court. Unless you're a Warriors fan, I'm sure you love him. But what he's figured out, right? So there's there's a gray area, right? There's the rule book, and then there are the things they actually call. And what Draymond Green is going to do, and obviously Kyle Lowry does a lot of this, PJ Tucker does a lot of this, but no one does it like Draymond. Draymond's thing is like, okay, um, I'm going to punch you in the stomach while you cross through the lane. No one's going to call this. It's off the ball. I'm just going to, it's not a punch punch. It's like, I'm just going to jab you. Like I'm going to, this is what Pat Riley called touching. I'm going to foul you, but it's a 70% foul. You haven't, you guys aren't over half court yet. I've already fouled you once. Then when you get the ball, I'm going to rake across your arms, but you're not going to lose the ball. So that's not going to be called a foul either. So I fouled you twice in this possession. And by the way, I don't know why Draymond has to commit a felony for it to be a foul call. And then he gets to yell at the ref, like spit on him. For three minutes, he gets to get in his face and tell him what a fucking idiot he is while the guy eats it. Like, what is going on? Just send that guy to the showers. So there do there seems to be all these Draymond rules. Now, I I was thinking about how- In life, if you're a recidivist, you're supposed to be held to a higher standard. Oh, you already robbed the bank and now you did right. it again? Well, yes. now, now, well, now you're really yeah. in trouble. We, we it's the reverse in this case. Which Well, which we can't throw you out. We already teed you once. We thought you learned your lesson, but since you didn't, now we let yeah, you off Yeah, but we don't want to be responsible for another so championship crazy. going to the wrong team, so we can't suspend you for a game. But so, um, so he's doing all his extracurriculars. What's funny is in the same way that like a hockey team will go like, well, that's funny because we have a goon too. So now, you know, we're going to send Dave Semenko out if your plan is to intimidate our good players. So Grant Williams is just – just doing a mirror image of Draymond. He does that. He comes up. He's like, okay, I know I'm going to call for a foul here. I'm going to set a blindside back pick on you. 
to, you know, we're, it's going to be a change of possession, but we're going to be here all day. And then when you turn around and start huffing, I'm like, I'll fight you. Do you, would you like to fight? Because Grant Williams for Draymond Green is a fine trade. And then Draymond goes, well, no, I don't actually want to fight. Are you crazy? Yeah, I'm crazy too. Oh, well, there goes my whole advantage. My whole advantage is that guys are supposed to think I want to fight them. And then they, they, they back down. But Grant Williams is our designated just go toe to toe with this guy. And, and I love it. And it's, I, I mean, I can't say it's taken Draymond out of his game because I'm not really sure what Draymond's game is at this point. Ooh, but that's, that's, so that's, the, that's the, the story that it obscures right. is what he's so, actually so, contributing. So there's the Draymond fouling. I mean, I just people rolled that clip of him clotheslining Tatum on a, on a free throw, on a made free throw. Like he grabs guys around the neck and just like clotheslining a guy on a non-play. Carry on. No whistle, nothing, just Draymond gets to do these things. But Draymond, the player, um, you know, he he did, and I think it was against the Grizzlies, Draymond um, took a guy to the hoop and scored on him and then did that move where you put your hand down to the floor. That guy's too small to cover me. He's too small. Well, if you watch the montage of game three, there were so many moments where Draymond was too small because that that is what he's been playing against his whole career, right? He's little. He is not a big guy. And when Robert Time Lord Williams missed the little short chippy on the baseline and then went right over Draymond, took the ball away from him, laid it back in, it was like, oh, you're too little. You're a little guy. Are you playing center in this lineup? Because uh, Horford and Time Lord are center-sized. And, and there were so many moments. There were also moments where Jalen Brown said, hey, I've got Draymond on me. Clear out. When does that happen to Draymond Green? Like, uh, you've got Draymond on you, so obviously you want to go hunt Steph, right? No, I'm fine here. I'm fine. I'm going to take you to the hoop. So, I mean, if you look at how limited Draymond has been on offense, you better hope he's making a difference on defense, and he hasn't been. So now the question for Kerr is, Does do you have the guts – to give Kuminga some of those minutes. And my answer is I doubt it. I, I doubt, doubt it. it. I doubt it. It doesn't strike me like something that Kerr would do. But I also think my hypothesis is loosely going into these finals is most people, like even people, oh, I'm a diehard fan. They're more casual than anyone talking into a microphone on this show right now. We're, we're, we're have mental problems. We have emotional yeah, problems. For sure. Um, with how intense we are with our teams. But I think people who would self-describe as, oh yeah, I love my team. I don't think they really knew much about the Celtics. They're just a monolith that's great defensively. I think that's what the perception is. But the but the point of taking the Celtics over the dubs, in my opinion, going into the series is their pieces are better. Yes, they both have two nominal stars, but Clay Thompson isn't even really one, given the way he's played. But the name brand guys, you know, Draymond, you, you remember him winning all those titles and Steph and everything. But, you know, if we assume even, and that's a big assumption, but even if you assume Clay and Steph cancel out Juice Brown and uh, and Jason Tatum, well, then give me the Celts, the 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 pieces they have otherwise. I think I think there's a cachet to Golden State, Andrew Wiggins. People know that name because where he was drafted and all of that. But I'll continue to ride with the Celts here. By the way, I hope you were listening and following along on the minus three account because uh, I did put out um, my pick of Jalen Brown over 23 and a half 
and the Celts lay in three and a half, and that paid off at plus 222. So that was a good one there. And I know that, you know, for the conspiracy theorists, people will say, well, the NBA wants Golden State to send it back at 2-2, and the Celts haven't played well at home. And I do think the point I was going to say earlier is that Coley pointed out, and you've done before, the Celtics do get into these weird stretches where there's just a lot of standing around on the offensive end of the floor. It's really weird. The way, like, why is Marcus Smart holding the ball at the top of the key like that? Does he know there's six seconds left on the shot clock? That's troubling. But I really don't see may, maybe the Dubs win the next game. Uh, and the Celts are laying four in that one. And I want to get your pick on that. I just continue to to be skeptical that the combo of Jordan Peele and Andrew Wiggins are going to have three games good enough to win this series. Because uh, back to my point about the two, you know, name brand star pairs that you have, if they cancel each other out, then someone's going to have to step up. And I will take Marcus Smart and otherwise to do that more often than the uh, than the dub stars. So I will take the Celts in. In game four, lay in the four, how say you hedge? Well, it's interesting, you you know, because we do kind of think of this dynasty, and it obviously is a dynasty. And and you know, you know, uh, Clay Thompson, he missed like 941 days, I think, between games. Like it's insane. But he was he was saying in his in his postgame on Wednesday, he was saying, uh, you know, we're down 2-1, but I'm getting big 2015 vibes, like, which I they must have been down 2-1 in, in that finals. But, and I was like, 2015, that's a long time ago. That's a lot of my, like, he's referencing something like it was two years. It was like, that is a, that's a basketball generation ago. And these are the same guys. And I think, you know, I, I mean, kudos to Clay Thompson for fighting all the way back. But he had a sequence against Jalen Brown, who does not have that many miles on his tires uh, late in the game or, or uh, I think it was fourth quarter. Uh, Jalen running him off the three-point line, like just doing that fucking junkyard harassment of like, you're not going to shoot a three because I'm in your jersey. But when you extend like that, the thing it makes you susceptible to is the give-go backdoor cut. So Clay's like, this guy's all over me at 27. He kicks it to the top of the key, cuts hard really well, gets the return pass for the layup, Jalen blocks it. Oh, I'm here too. You thought I was there? I was there. And now we're both here and you you created zero separation because I'm younger and faster and stronger and can jump higher than you. So when, you, when you're talking about it does come down to physicality on certain plays, I was like, ooh, Clay did not think that shot was getting blocked by the guy that was just with him at 27 feet. Um, that said, and again, can't I very impossible for me to separate my head and my heart here, but and and am in a in a fear-based uh world. But Warriors getting four. So if you look at the outcomes so far, and 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 for a lot of Celtic games, really. So Celtics have been blown out. I mean, Celtics got That's down twenty six. The entire to the, NBA, by the way, yeah, these yeah. playoffs. The Celtics get much. down 20, 26 to the Heat. Like what you how you just got down twenty six at home? To, to Max Struess, what is happening? And and then you look at what they what the Celtics were able to do in games one and three. So um, blowouts, well, coin flip, I don't know. Celtics could get blown out. Celtics could blow out, blow out the Warriors. Close games, to your point about guys standing around, 
Celtics have not looked super confident in in the end at the end of close games. Obviously, Game Seven against the Heat, worst ad- example of that. You're up 13 late, and you have to survive a Jimmy Butler three with 11 seconds left. So that particular number, four points, blowout. Either team could blow the other team out. Close game. I feel like only the team getting four points would be a good bet. So in game mm. four, uh, when you weigh in the fact that that uh, a lot of the physicality that the Celtics admittedly got away with uh, early on in that game uh, will be called. It's just this how it works. This is how it works, you know. And uh, and then you, you you give the Warriors the four. And also, you know, Achilles last stand, right? If 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 the Warriors lose by double digits on Friday, that's it for this team, right? That's that's I mean, this is it. This is the last roundup. And so I do think there's a ton of pride. Um, I mean, there's a little bit of, of, of pushback on whether Steve Kerr is a good coach or not. And I know it's always hard when you've got such talented rosters, um, but I, I do think he's a good coach. And, I you know, I mean, he's obviously winning the halftime speech portion of this series. Uh, I, I would say, and I don't know why this seems to be impossible, but I feel like I would go to Steph and go, hey, no chicken shit fouls in the first quarter and you're playing 48 minutes. Hmm. I, I don't care if you pass out. Like, well, by the way, what about, I, you know, it, that they have to put out a statement on Thursday that, yes, we think Steph will be good to go for game four is bad news. I mean, if he's if he if, if he's that banged up that they have to actually issue a statement to verify he'll be there, then that's more bad news because it's fairly clear for all the talk about they have so many guys who can hurt you on that team. It's fairly clear that it's Steph or you're definitely the runner up this season in the NBA chase. I thought Legler made a good point about, you know, what what LeBron was up against against those great warrior teams right. and that Steph Steph was on the better team all the time and now Steph is the best player on the court on the inferior team. You know, well, it's a different role. I do love it and I I loved the Celtics and I am on board with any conspiracy theorists who think that they did the move the rim up two inches because they knew that the dubs would see it and notice it, but it still made it hard for them to get their pregame shoot around on. It took them 20 minutes to adjust the hoop and so it dug into their uh, shoot around time. And then that benefited. That's gamesmanship. That's not Belichick crap. That's that's in-game, taking videotape, everything. That's just fun stuff that uh, that delights me. Another thing that we should celebrate with Steph is there aren't very many moves in sports history from superstars cooler than in-game. He shoots the ball. It's NBA Finals. He shoots the ball and he turns and starts to run the other way. And it always goes in when he does it. He never misses when he does it. That's a pretty that's a that's Larry Bird keeping his warm-up jacket yeah. on in the three-point shooting contest and picking his uh, finger up number one and walking away before it goes through. That's great. Well, I love it's that. a good you know, it's a good thing the Warriors have Draymond because they're so lovable otherwise. I, I you know, I love Steph Curry so much and just am in awe. You know, because the you know it's easy to say you gotta you gotta close them out like you gotta extend you gotta go over the top of the screen you gotta go to the high side. It's like, well, he's so his dribbling he goes completely by you when you turn around to catch up to him. 
he retreats back behind the three-point line and he makes a three. Like he's I, no one has ever been that adept uh, dribbling into his own shot. And 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 if anything, like I feel like he's gotten better. Like it's it's so hard uh, to have to root against them. But you know, again, I hope he's eighty percent. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, and also it's not a small matter that he's not doing it from 24 feet. He's doing it from 28, 31 feet. How far out can you go? I've really had not to fillet you about it uh, again, but for real, it is a point when you're playing one-on-one ba- or playing three-on-three basketball with like somebody like Hench. It's like, all right, I can check you out past the three, but how far out do you expect me to go? I'm going to, you want to shoot from 30, go ahead, man. But that is now officially the dub's best chance of scoring is for Steph to do that. So if you limit him or make him struggle, I just don't see how they win. What is your formal game four pick then? Dubs money line? Dubs plus dubs plus four. four. Take the four. Take the four. I think I went wrong with the Celtics. I was wrong. I said the best bet I like was after three games, uh, the, the Warriors being up two games to one. But, you know, based off just watching the game, and I was actually talking about this on the race to 10 yesterday, which did not go the D3's way. But uh, Parlay Kid and Brother Brian were in agreement with me. Like, just the Warriors are missing so many shots. And with the Celtics' interior presence with Williams and, and Big Al, um, and the, it just seems like you could just tell the Warriors it's in their head. Draymond's, like, just not playing like himself. Like, the guy is focused on way too many other things. And uh, Coley was talking about how how Jalen, uh, you know, Brown is just one of the better players to getting to the rim. And and I, I just totally agree with that. And I, I think they're actually going to out-physical them and they're going to hit the shots when it counts. Defense matters. So I think the Celtics may win this series in five. Hmm. Well, either way, Jalen Brown plus 300 to be the series MVP. That feels uh, juicy enough to jump on that one. Um, Hench, I, it's funny because uh, Coley, in talking about this, as I say, we talked about a lot of Boston sports matters. And um, Mac Jones, we'll, we'll have time to get into him this summer and, and what your expectations are, like the high end of what that guy can be when you look at the other quarterbacks in the conference. Um, but we were talking some Patriots and he said the, the, the hypothetical that has plagued him as weirdo sports fans do to themselves. He said, would he rather, would he trade the 28 to three rally for having gone 19 and zero, completing that one? And it, it does come with the asterisk that it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't be, ah, the rally came up just short. It's gotta be like the Falcons would have continued to blow them out. So you would either get blown out by the Falcons in the Super Bowl, but you get to go 19 and 0. Do you take that deal? Okay. So um so basically you're saying, so hypothetically, the the referees call either the hold against Jarvis Green or or the hold on Richard Seymour. The distinct the Giants, the David Tyree play doesn't happen because they, they don't swallow all their flags uh, simultaneously. See, okay. Somebody is upset. Okay. Look that's at that. that's good. I like it. Um, no, I would still I would still take twenty eight to three. I mean, obviously really? these fucking dolphins, these dolphins are gonna just eventually fucking die, right? We don't have to watch these fucking guys with their champagne and their fucking minor league sport they used to play, it's fucking nineteen seventy two, please. But um, so so I, I I would so but twenty eight to three, um. You know, it just it's the all time across all sports. There's just nothing. There's nothing. It's the most mathematically impossible thing on the biggest stage. I mean, football's the biggest sport. The Super Bowl is the biggest stage. The deficit was the biggest deficit. The God of gods is the greatest player of all time in sports history. Like, so I would not change that 
final coronation where nobody could say anything ever again. Nobody could make any argument for Joe Montana ever again. Hmm. I would not trade that for for 19 and 0. No. Wow. So, well, that's two. I mean, that's two for two with Boston diehard. So who am I to reject what you're saying? I also think his thing was a little bit that if you get smoked by the Falcons, and I do think it's a 21st century phenomenon that we talked about in autumn, that even the best teams in pro football take a whipping once or three times at least every season. And it doesn't make any sense. It's like these NBA playoffs now, like that the the NBA champ lost some games along the way by 30. It's like the Lakers of what was that 2000 when they went 15 and when they went 16 and one and Iverson beat them in game one and stepped over uh, Tyron Lue. And it was like, ah, they could have been that could have been a perfect postseason and everything else. Like those Lakers didn't lose games along the way by 30 points. It's a weird it's a weird adjustment that your brain has to make. I do get, though, it, it's not like. You know, the page, I, you know, I don't know, losing to a high end Andy Reid Eagles team in the Super Bowl by by four touchdowns. The, the Atlanta Falcons, that would have been a hard stink to wash off. So well, I do get it from thing, that perspective. Uh, the other thing I'll say about that is like, you know, you, you know, referencing Shaq and Kobe in their prime, like, you know, they they the Patriots, the 2007 Patriots were beating people by 40 points. I mean, they were just killing everybody. And when you have the greatest quarterback of all time and then you give him Randy Moss, like, yes, they they should have been crowned as the greatest single season football team of all time. But compare that to coming back from 28-3 down with fucking Chris Hogan and Danny Amendola, like, come on, and James White. Like, you know, we argue about whether Edelman's going to go to the Hall of Fame, and I say he should, but, like, he's doing that with zero Hall of Famers. You know, as opposed to Randy Moss in 2007. So I just think, you know, 28 to 3 uh, eclipses 19 and 0. I'll tell you this you do go 19 and 0 for what it's worth. The fallout is, and that's part of what ifing things is taking the other side, is what's the fallout from it? Richard Seymour got a gold jacket years ago. Wes Welker probably has a gold jacket now, too. Those things do matter where people want to argue them or not. but uh, I, I'm kind of surprised by that because that's a different level. You've won Lombardi's, but you went 19 and 0 in the modern day NFL. That's something that we, you know, obviously you could only equal. Never. Well, now we have 17 games, so somebody theoretically could go 20 and 0. I guess. All right. Now listen, you're on the cusp, Hedge. Two wins away. Congratulations in advance okay. on your latest title. Okay. <laughs> but this. But look, Green Bay, Pittsburgh. In its heyday in the late 70s, and yes, pro football did matter in the 70s, creep. Now, if you want to talk about the late 50s, that's another thing. But don't act like it didn't matter. Um, Maybe early 70s, no. But by the mid-70s, it really started to matter. Now, um, when we went into our heyday and and the Cobra Dave Parker and Pop Stargell and Teak Tocovi and the rest of the gang jumped around in, in Baltimore in 1979 completing their World Series... Pittsburgh was the city of champions. We didn't, we, we, we had dignity. We had creativity enough to not look at Green Bay and say, well, we'll take title town from you. We came up with our own city of champions. You're a smart fella. Come on, apply yourself. Come up with something else. This isn't a moving award. You're not the city of champions. Pittsburgh is that. Come up with a new name. What you got? So title town's taken. Green Bay. And city of champions is taken. That's in Pittsburgh. Town of champions. 
No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Listen, uh, I'm thinking of your City of Champions, and I'm seeing your Cobra Dave Parker that you that you mentioned at the at the top of the show. And I nobody does this, but we got to start doing this. Okay, we have all these guys who are not in the Hall of Fame because we believe their numbers are skewed from taking performance-enhancing drugs. Mm -hmm. We got to start letting certain guys into the Hall of Fame who took performance-diminishing drugs. Like, if we know what what your numbers would have been if you were not doing narcotics for the entire 70s, we got to let you in the Hall of Fame, Amen. Amen. When's it? Amen. When, yeah, that's exactly right. Mickey Mantle deserves a special wing. What? Yeah. What? He, uh, yeah. You, uh, would he have been better? Yeah, but look at what he did do while he was drunk. You he know, would have hit a thousand home runs. Um. So I know on the on the uh, rundown, you you threw out uh, what is it? Lemuse. What's your greatest day in Pittsburgh history thing? Yes. That. Uh, six, nine, um, is nice. And it's a legendary day. It's a holy day in Pittsburgh because it's Cobra's birthday. And it's the day Lemieux got drafted to the Pittsburgh Penguins. He didn't, you know, little, uh, people, people don't know. He refused to put the sweater on. He didn't want to go to the Pittsburgh Penguins. He, he was rooting to go to Quebec or Montreal or otherwise. He didn't want to go to that bum franchise, but as was required, he had to at least make the trip to Pittsburgh. He didn't literally wouldn't even put on the angry penguin sweater, but they they got him in the car and he and he got to Pittsburgh and then he went through the tunnel and when he emerged from it, there it was, glorious Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the city of champions. And from that moment on, according to sixty six himself, he was won over. That's a, a, a great day. So I think six nine. If you were to anoint the day on the calendar, Pittsburgh Sports Day. What's the best day in Boston sports history that you know? I mean, this is probably a pretty easy one for you. Well, blessedly, there are some some good nominees. You know, October 19, 2004. Right, that's off the Yankees. So October 19, 2004, you finish off the Yankees. Like, that's incredible. You're you're down three zip. Johnny Damon hits the grand slam. That's the one the that erases all. I mean, however, what do they have? 27 or whatever they have that it renders them all moot because they, they the New York Yankees who have all the titles, they blew an 03 lead to the arch rival Red Sox, who they supposedly own for all of time. It just erases all that history in one fell swoop. So that day is significant, but even at the time, you know, of course we've got that pit in our stomach, like, we could lose to the Cardinals. Like, what? what is it going to mean, like, if we lose in six to the Cardinals? So the real – so then October 26th, 2004, the demons are are destroyed. You know, everything the, – the curse is, is over October 26th. Also, my first daughter's birthday, so it's a very easy day to remember. And because she's so cool, in 2007, when the Red Sox were now in the habit of winning – World Series every once in a while. So uh, Sophie was due during the American League Championship Series. Um, she was overcooked a little bit. Uh, Red Sox win game one and two against the Rockies in 2007. The, the October 26th is the travel day. So during game two, I get down on my knees and talk to Heather's belly. And I say... Hey, sweet pea, we're on your schedule here. And I'm cool with whenever you want to be born. 
But if it makes no difference to you, if you could come on the travel day, that would be pretty sweet. So Sophie's so cool and we're bonded forever. She arrives on October 26th. We get in and out of Cedars real quick. I'm literally going like, hey, we got to go. I'm in the car out front. Where are, what do you mean, where am I? They're like, no, you don't have to go. Your wife can stay here. We know we got to get out of here. And we're back home with our baby for games three and four and the the sweep in in 2007. So October 26th, big day in my life, big day in Boston sports history. But, you know, you, your, your date has two uh, moments of significance. If you're, if you're just looking at extended significance, like Lemieux, April 16th, 2000, day two of the NFL draft, you take Tom Brady in the sixth round. Change That everything. reverberates for the rest of all time. Yep, pretty you good. You wouldn't think April 16th could be that big a day. I, you know, June 9th in Pith- what, what meaning could that have? But yeah, as it turns out, pretty meaningful stuff. Oh, also, Penguins won game six against the Wings. They weren't supposed to win. They were going to get... Uh, they were going to lose uh, to the Wings in back-to-back Stanley Cup Finals, but uh, Jordan Stahl um, and Rob Scuderi thought otherwise, and they sent it back to Detroit. Max Talbot potted a couple, and uh, we got to hoist the cup once again and started that air off, right? Uh, quickly, Ronnie Ronerson drops a line from Toronto to say October 23rd is Toronto's best sports day because uh, Joe Carter hits the walk-off to win the World Series, and the Leafs set a record for wins to open up a season at 10, which is significant because there wasn't three on three and there was no overtime. It was hard to scratch out 10 straight regulation victory. So that's a pretty good one. And Marky Billison questions my Pittsburgh one. He says October 17th because the Buccos won both of their 70s World Series, both over the Orioles um, on that date. Uh, Spaghetti, how say you? It's really tough for me because, you know, New York has double teams, triple if you want to count the, the devil. But they don't like, win that hockey. much, though. They don't <laughs> win that much. Uh, I mean, but the, well, I mean, the Yankees have one more than <laughs> all of your three teams combined. So it doesn't matter. Uh, but so in terms of like what the city thinks is important, I mean, the most iconic sports moments would be the Jets, like name a Super Bowl, um, the Mets 86, uh, Rangers in 94, or even the Stefan Mateau goal versus the, the, the Devils. Those are always people. I'd like always to know. To I, w- I wish I could talk to somebody. It was your old man around in. Uh, following the Jets, I know he's a Giants guy, but I'd like to hear what was was the average New Yorker over the moon about that about the Jets winning the title. It, but Namath and the Jets are. I mean, the, I know a ton of Jet. I know equal Jet fans to Giants fans, and Joe Namath is. I you know, despite how his career turned out with his stats, I know you think he's a pretty lackluster, you know, Hall of Fame member. But me, he is both. no, no, no. Is, don't, don't tell me. Don't tell is, Dan. I don't know who you're confusing me with. I love Joe Namath. Forget though. Don't okay. put that on me. Well, I know some people make fun of his interceptions over touchdowns. Everybody else has a ton of interceptions, too. That's what people have no idea what they're talking about. He is beloved. You walk into every other house in Staten Island, Brooklyn, wherever, and you're going to see like a Joe Namath photo in the house. Yeah, he's really beloved. I mean, you want to even throw like a Muhammad Ali fight in there, like versus Joe Frazier in Madison Square Garden. Like that's not a New York-centric thing, but it happened there, and that's the thing people know. Um, Maybe something with Jeter. Like either the Jeter flip play or the Mr. November play, uh, the Subway series was a huge deal. Like those are there's some moments we, that are really big. If we had an intern, you know, I bet I bet New York because you mentioned boxing. Like I, I bet New York has some crazy day where three things happen. Yeah, that's you know, what you're looking for. It would be ninety four. So 
there's so much going on in that city. They're like, oh my God, if you were there at noon, you had to get to Madison Square Garden for Ali Frazier. Like, I, it's just, you know, it, it, it's sad to think about what it used to be and what it is now. Um, by the way, when you mentioned uh, Sophie's arrival and you boosting her and your wife from the hospital so you could go watch the Red Sox, it did remind me there's a little overlap there with a Boston sports great, Phil Esposito. I don't remember why it came up exactly, but a week or two ago, oh, I found a picture of Phil Esposito, who went on to be the Tampa Bay Lightning's first GM, of course, wore, played for the Rangers after he left the Bruins. And so it's funny, it's kind of the Phil Esposito uh, playoff series here, in other words. But um, Espo, one of the great times in the last 25 years of living out here was when Hench and I were writing on that sports trivia show, we would sit with the guests and they were always super, like, I, the show was not good, but the booker was second to none. I mean, like every day it was, oh, Frank Robinson today, Jerome Bettis tomorrow. Oh, here's Phil Esposito. And Hench and I, two nerds, would sit with them. We'd skip doing work for 45 minutes or an hour and just bend their ear. And unless they were jerks, they would just tell story after story. And no one was better than Phil Esposito. And he told the great story of them going to boost Bobby Orr after one of his knee surgeries out of the hospital and take, what they do, they put him in a gown and they they rolled him out of the they put him in a wheelchair and rolled him to a bar so they could all get loaded. But it was like they'd won the cup or something. <laughs> they were celebrating and he was in the hospital and they just rolled him out of there to go drink with them. It was it was, you know, Espo was so fun to hang out with and hear a million stories. You know, these guys all having to work as grocery clerks in the summer because they were making 18 grand a year. But uh but the flip side of that was Dave Winfield, who did not want to hang out with me and Shaq. Right. He said, good luck with your show. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think who was the jerk. There were definitely a couple of jerks. Hey, Dave Winfield, rocket arm, man. Hey, let's say drafted in three sports. Hey, Dave, you know, um, you were drafted in three sports. Was there any part of you? Good luck with your show. <laughs> All right, we'll Please don't make up. eye contact yeah, we'll with me again. We'll go back to the office. We'll write some more trivia questions. Hey, speaking of trivia. Uh, well, first I want to throw out a best bet because you touched on Tampa Bay lightning, uh, GM. Um, so I like the Rangers in the game that has probably already happened. Right. That's why I'm avoiding it. Cause it's, uh, I know, I know, but I, what I do. So as somebody who likes the Rangers, let's talk about it as though we already know the result and and talk about that. As somebody who also has been on the avalanche to the point where I got a very good price on them, but I want to throw out this con Smythe pick. Because Vasilevsky is plus a thousand, hmm. so you know the the Lightning are only plus three twenty to win the cup, but Vasilevsky's plus a thousand, and I don't see any scenario where the Lightning win the cup and he's not the MVP. I just don't think hmm. Kucherov or Stamkos or Hedman can separate from the other skaters in a way against a team that's probably going to dominate a lot of games. Vasilevsky's gonna have to stand on their head, his head, to for them to win the series. So don't take Lightning plus three twenty when you can get Vasilevsky plus a thousand. That's mm. ten to one. I love that's, that, that's, boy. That's, that's smart. Bet. Okay, I like really that good. very much, Hench. Yeah, well, see, I congratulate the Rangers on their Game Four victory, led by uh, Lefrenier's goal. Uh, you got uh, some nice juice on that game one. Game five. Game five. 
Game five, I'm sorry, in MSG. Right. Uh, but that game's already in the rearview mirror, so we don't need to spend a lot of time on that. All right, I don't want to go on and on, Hench. This baseball season, swing for the fences on FanDuel Sportsbook. Make like Aaron Judge, Eddie Spaghetti. We got to figure this out. How many home runs is he going to wind up with? No time to discuss that now, because right now, new customers get $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Major League Baseball, so many fun bets to make on a daily basis. That's what makes baseball season in summertime so much fun. You can bet the money line, the total, the player prop, same game. Parlay is the way to do it. Just make sure you do it with the promo code MINUS3, the word MINUS, the number three to get in on the action. FanDuel lets you bet, like I say, all the different parts of the well, national pastime, but, you know, people still like baseball. Um, and plus, you can combine your bets with the aforementioned same-game parlay. If you haven't tried FanDuel, now's the perfect time to give it a shot. Just join with the promo code MINUS3 and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose exclu- exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Got to squeeze in a quick break. What do you want to dig in on? The live you got somewhere to be? Do, well, do I? No, I don't. No, well, I just, uh, you know, I don't want to wax on and on. I know you, you you have on occasion accused me of being all over the place. I know, so but I I fi- I'm, nice I'm wrapped. I finally don't have to run back to oh. set. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, you know, we go, we go long. I don't care. Okay. What do you want to talk about? This is the highlight of my week. This is the highlight of my week every week. Live tour. Want to dig in on that mess? Or do you want to talk to Sean Watson? Because that's another mess. Spaghetti sends us a message. I got to get the fuck out of here. Uh, Okay, I'll do real quick. Uh, How about this name for the live tour? The Slayers tour. (laughs) (laughs) You've got the Players Championship and the Slayers Championship. Uh, uh, so So these guys are PGA members. These guys are live dismembers. (laughs) <laughs> like i don't know like i'm this is the thing okay so kornheiser made you know like everyone's i don't know like, it's a weird thing that's like well are we being hypocritical if we're being hard on these fucking dingbat conservative golfers who fucking don't know anything about anything um and i'm like okay so kornheiser says like you know well governments do business with saudi arabia governments do business with russia you know and it's like yeah uh, governments are very big, complicated things. Individual rich golfers who are choosing between being this rich or this rich. Like, and I'm not saying Rex Tillerson is not a monster, but ExxonMobil doesn't fucking have people dismembered. Like, we can be right-wing conservative assholes in America and not send assassins to the Turkish embassy to chop up a journalist. Like, do you have no fucking, I mean, the fact that Mickelson talked about it, so now all the dum-dums like Dustin Johnson and Patrick Reed can't go, oh, I didn't know anything about that. Oh, you definitely knew about it because Phil said exactly what the guy did. And what you're going to do is you're going to sully your brand You're gonna because you, you love money more than anything. You're going to take your brand this guy is laundering. That's why he bought Newcastle United. That's why he wants this golf tour. He's You're going to end up in a fucking Photoshop with this guy. He's going to hand you a fucking trophy. You don't know what you, how you're being used to launder this fucking murderer's international reputation. You're such selfish pieces of shit. I can't, it's like, it's fucking, it's so staggering to me that there's not one fucking voice in the locker room that can go, guys, 
let's just make 8.5 million next year. I hear you. I agree with you in a vacuum. I hesitate to apply what my moral standard is to somebody else. It's very easy to do from a distance. We know people who we disagree with politically or otherwise. And it's like, are you still friends with that person or that? We're like, well, yeah, I know that person. So that's, it's hard to retract from all that kind of stuff. And same sort of thing goes with like, Dustin Johnson, you, you're, you're not worth uh, $1.2 million at this point. You're, you're, you're stinking rich. Like you're generations on end, if you were not married into the Gretzky family, you would still be filthy rich, for je- but now you're that much richer. I, I don't know. I'm not in that, in that pay, uh, in that uh, stratosphere, so I don't know. But, that, you know, people who have a lot of money seem to always want more and more money. So that's fine. Morality aside, though, or non-morality aside, I think the leverage that everybody has, Deshaun Watson has over the NFL, John Gruden has over the NFL, Dan Snyder, and the same thing that Greg Norman or whoever or Phil Mickelson can always play is like, are do you think you're an angel? Because I have I have proof. I have emails. I get Jack Nicholas is a shitbag too. Like, what do you want me to dig in on you too? Like I do, I do think that's the part of this. It's like the guy, the guy ordered a journalist to get chopped up. Like, and you're, you, this is your boss now, essentially. But I, I wonder if that that's why it's, it's we, we don't get the satisfaction that we crave from a moral standpoint because both you could both sides it as that as it always ends up being right. Does, does that make sense? Well, listen, I don't begrudge anybody who has to make a living. Like, I'm like, look, you know, everyone's got to feed their family. So it's like, you know, they're fed. They're all fed. The pre-GA golfers families are all fed. So, so like, you know, I mean, I don't, I didn't toss and turn at night about it, but you know, I, I worked for a company owned by Rupert Murdoch for a very long time. I made a lot of money and, uh, you know, but I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't being offered a lot of money from a company at the time that Rupert Murdoch didn't know. I wasn't looking at two different options where it's like you can make that you can make this much and this much and and then you can you know you can work uh, uh, for for Greenpeace uh, for this much. But like when you look at like Dustin Johnson's sponsorship and like I'm like what what is I realize the prize money is higher, but like what are we really talking about in terms of like your quality of life? your grandchildren's quality of life, your great, like, what are we talking about? What are you, what would you be sacrificing by saying, I stand with Jamal Khashoggi. I can't play for that scumbag. And what would you, what would the sacrifice be? I guess, I guess as they explained to me when we were doing extra points is there are fewer dates that you have to participate in. So your schedule, your life, uh, would be freed up a little bit. I didn't know that you'd have more time, more time to golf. Such a rough life. <laughs> yeah, for pleasure. Not, everything doesn't have to be competitive in this world. Oh, my God. Uh, the other question is, um, so to Deshaun Watson, and j- let's jump to the end of this. Autumn 2022. L- prop bet. Who's more likely to take a snap first for the Browns, Deshaun Watson or Baker Mayfield? Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you really think that? I'm at, I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. By the way, when you said autumn. It's Sal's question, but yes. but When you said autumn 2022, 
I thought you were saying by autumn there will be 2022 allegations against Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I thought that you were saying autumn 2022. <laughs> like it is it's so crazy. Obviously it was crazy when the Browns did it. It was never not crazy. I mean the fact that it's just gotten worse is like of course it's going to get worse. How could this story get better? Of course, of course it's terrible. I think here let me just say I I think it is similar. The analogy I use a lot is is if you've ever been to Mardi Gras outside of the context of being on Bourbon Street, you when you're there, if you're 20 years old, it's like, I got to get beads. I got to get the beads. And I think the Browns fell prey to, to that effect of like, Deshaun Watson, well, Baker ain't it. And oh, Deshaun Watson's out there, once in a lifetime shot to do this. Oh, other teams are in it. Let's get in on those sweepstakes. And they and they basically set aside the morality because they weren't alone doing it. There were so many other teams doing it that they lost sight of any morality of what they were doing. And they got swept up in chasing beads on Bourbon Street. And then they picked their heads up. They got back to regular society and, and then realized, what the hell have we done? Well, you know, it's sometimes... Um, Good policy is also good politics. So obviously um, not wanting 18-year-old psychotics to have assault weapons is both good policy and good politics because 90% of the people go, yeah, that is a good idea. Yeah, uh, uh, crazy 18-year-olds shouldn't have weapons of war. We can, 90% of us can agree on that. Good policy, good politics. Forgiving student loan debt, good policy, bad politics. It's bad. It's like, it's like, oh, hey, the people who vote for us, we're going to give you tens of thousands of dollars. That's not going to be great politics. How are you going to explain that? Good policy, though. We don't want our kids going into the world with tons of debt. What's been so interesting about Daniel Snyder, the Browns, and I've been thinking about Donald Sterling a little bit lately, is, is bad morality has also proven to be bad sports. So like, we didn't really know how bad a guy Donald Sterling was till the very end, but you're like, that's a terrible human being who's been running the worst franchise in sports for three decades. So the Clippers have an unmatched record of futility and it turns out their owner is a fucking scumbag, non-pareal. And you're like, in our lifetime, this record was never gonna be approached. How bad the Clippers were, and how bad a guy Donald Sterling was. Like, because usually immorality is a pretty good approach. Bill Belichick, you know, you know, skirt the rules a little bit. But what well, Ray Lewis was a Super Bowl MVP yeah, in the exactly, same year or exactly. two. Yeah, usually all this stuff, but yes. What Daniel Snyder is doing in the nation's capital is really he is rapidly reeling in Donald Sterling as like the combination of cannot win anything ever, sucking in perpetuity. And then every fucking story is, hey, guess, get, yeah, this guy would like to meet Adolf Hitler. That's who he'd like to have dinner with. This other guy I work with, he thinks that fucking the real terrorists are Black Lives Matter. That's fantastic. Like every story, hey, we send some naked cheerleader pictures to the guys. Like every, like Daniel Snyder is such it's a It's not one monster. bad story. It He's is nine out of 10 bad stories go to the commies at this point. The, yeah, so it's like, wow. And then, you know, so I think the Browns have, have painted themselves in the same quarter where, where it's like corner where you're like, okay, you did the immoral thing. And now it's also going to be bad for football because how the hell is is this going to be made right? 
you know, and, and so, but to the Baker point, like, I don't know if that guy can take another snap for the Browns either. <laughs> I think I, you know, we talked about this on extra points is the leverage that your employer always has in most industries over you. Like you're going to no show you're under contract. You're, you're so you're just going to sit it out. That's going to be bad for future job prospects for you. In this case, the other 31 ownership groups completely left, leave, let Baker off the hook, right? He's Cloris Leachman in last picture show, right? It's it like if he wants to forgive them, he can. But the Browns went out and got Sybil Shepherd, and uh, and then they embar- and then she embarrassed them, and then now they're turning back to Cloris Leachman and being like, "So want to do it?" You know, like Wait, he- who who bangs Cloris Leachman? Jeff Bridges? No, the uh, the other guy. I can't think. of Timothy Bottoms. Timothy Bottoms. Right. All right. I gotta, I gotta rewatch that. You're it's driving. too strained. I can't figure out. I know there's a movie in my head, and I think that's the one. But this happens all the time. That in comedies, like, oh, the nerd, oh, a, a, a fancy girl or a fancy guy. Well, likes I'll, the go, nerd. I'll go. Uh, I'll go even deeper, more obscure. I mean, the funny thing about that reference, Spaghetti's gonna hang himself. Uh, <laughs> Is if you're if you're thinking if you're thinking late stage Cloris Leachman, she was kind of sexy in that movie, like and and sort of in my my personal predilection area. Uh, not obviously if Sybil Shepherd was throwing herself at you in 1973, but um, Montgomery Clift, uh, Spaghetti's about to throw himself off of Montgomery Clift um, in night. I think it was 1949, <laughs> uh, Place in the Sun. Maybe it was the 50s, but uh, Montgomery Cliff, he knocks up Shelly Winters. So he he doesn't know that she's pregnant. And then Elizabeth Taylor, a young, hot, obviously, Elizabeth Taylor says, Montgomery Cliff, I dig you. You're my guy. And he's like, great. Just got to just got to break it to uh, to Dumpy over here that. uh, Oh, hey, Monty, I'm pregnant. So anyway, you can. It's faster to watch a place in the sun than to read uh, an American tragedy. And also, but, don't, uh, don't don't sit through uh, um, uh, uh, Clark Gable. You don't have to sit through the whole picture. But you know, he really is entitled. Uh, frankly, uh, my my D, I, I don't give a damn. Right? Like you should say that to the Haslam. Yeah, of they course. Calling, like that's nineteen thirty nine. We're going to be going out of the talkies soon if we go back any further Nosferatu Nosferatu uh, but the point is is to get it back to spaghetti the point is Baker Mayfield is either Cloris Leachman or Shelly Winters <laughs> and Deshaun Watson is Sybil Shepard and Elizabeth Taylor Shelly Winters didn't work out for her in Lolita either and Lolita nope. is I guess Deshaun right and Humbert Humbert is the Browns. Those kind of fit the the personality traits in a lot of ways when you think about it. You know, oh. Shelly Winters, Baker maybe like, okay, not so bad. Kind of annoying though. Little but annoying. I, I have a because we've been through this in very in various times, but like I have a buddy who's sworn off the Browns. He's oh, just sworn I know off. a few he's, people he's legitimately. Like, Mark Sessler, yeah. our guy who's a diehard Browns fan, is done with the Browns. He's turned he's turned his uh his affections to the Chargers, or at least he's trying 
to uh, to make that happen. It um, is funny though, like because when when fan bases or you know when individual fans go like I I can't have anything to do with the Browns anymore, it's like, um, hey, let me tell you about the guy who owns Newcastle United. Well, you I think, think that's uh, I think that's a lot of people's point where it comes to the live tour. It's like. All right, you want to talk about shitbags who run the thing that you can put you can poke a lot of holes in in North American franchises and the guys who own them. I mean they're not No, I know they're scumbags, but like how happily would Jamal Khashoggi have given a thousand hand jobs as opposed to the fucking choice he was given by Mohammed bin Salman? Like it's like, yeah, they're fucking, you know, I I'm I'm I appreciate Browns fans that are that are turning their backs on their on their team i'm just fucking it, it, it confused that that these these rich uh american golfers are going to launder that fucking scumbag uh, reputation. i don't want to go on and on about it just look them up look where they hang out in their free time and you can kind of put the connect the dots on why who well, these by guys, the way, patrick are reed and dustin johnson and who these guys are you can figure but it why out. are they so confident that they won't have an accident. What that, they, that's exactly. What, did you see today? What, the Alan Shipnuck at the first event is gathered around after Phil Mickelson's first round, and he gets strong armed by security guards. Imagine the live tour security guards start to pull you away from something. Oh my God, I'd pee myself with fear. That I mean, of course. What if, that's you, just, what if you said like you know? Um, I don't know. I don't know who the greenskeeper is, but the greens sucked out there today. <laughs> fucking disappeared. You just get disappeared. Yeah, just jump in the back seat. We're going to go for a little ride. Don't yeah, you? put this bag over your head. <laughs> All right, listen. Enough's enough because Eddie Spaghetti, one more movie reference that I have grown keener on over the last week is Eddie Spaghetti equals Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now. His voiceovers during the game are one thing. It's like when he's going up the river, the voiceovers, he, he intones some Martin Sheen-esque vibes. But visually, follow him during the Rangers games because he is Sheen in the hotel room. Because he, he, he's a range of emotions. He starts out, he's chippy, he's ready to go. He's doing karate in the mirror and he gets whiskey drunk. Then he starts to cry with blood all over him. That's Eddie Spaghetti on social media when the Rangers are playing. He's a good follow. Tampa. Shit, I'm still in Tampa. <laughs> Stamkos don't is, surf. No, this is the mission. This is the mission. We got to get that fucking beautiful silver cup out of Florida. We're sending you up river. I Come know on, Savannah Jad. I know it's already going to, in the past, once people listen to this, but, uh, you know, watching game five with Sal and Harry and Ken at a public place. Oh, Jesus uh, it's, Christ. It's just not, I just know it's not going to end well for me. That's right only now. three people. You owe it to yeah. your followers to tweet. With this, you you got to do it. You got with reckless abandon. Put your emotions out there for people to see. They enjoy. It's so you know, I love knowing who the degenerates have bet on in the race to ten. You know, it's fun to watch knowing you know, and then I watch it after. So so Wednesday <laughs> night was the all timer because I'm watching the game live and I'm like, this thing is over in a minute and forty seconds. Like fucking. I love, you know what? Points. You just teed that up perfectly. Go ahead, Eddie Spaghetti. Talk about what happened in Game Five. What was your what what are your emotions post game five? Uh it stinks that we were up two games to nothing and now we're down three games to two. That's no, 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 no. 
We had a two nothing lead. Right I think that's the right angle. We had a two nothing no, no. lead. Another, we didn't step on their best bet. Here's a best bet that you should have made before before game five, as you listen to this Friday morning. Um, Adam Fox over half a point minus one eighty. The Lightning are going to take some penalties. Going to be some power plays. Um, I'm 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 riding with your Rangers spaghetti. It's so funny. You just see the emotions are so transparent. You're picking my Celtics, and I'm picking your Rangers. Because you and I can behave rationally about someone else's team. You've already counted this as a loss. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to come around to the possibility that the Celtics are better. Yeah, the Celtics showed they showed a lot. And they, they showed reason to believe. They showed promise. And also the Warriors shows you reasons to doubt. Whereas the, you know, the Rangers-Tampa series, it's pretty much the opposite. Well, I can't believe it. I can't believe the Rangers are up three games to two. Hench and I said it in advance. And so now we look <laughs> smart for having predicted it. I also said Chris Kreider. Uh, you can get him at over two and a half shots with some decent juice attached to that, too. Rangers on the money line was the smart bet. I'm proud we made it. And it gives me All no right, pleasure. Let's, let's let Spaghetti get this thing up there so we won't okay. sound that dumb. 17 more minutes of obscure or ancient movies that Spaghetti hasn't seen, nor does he want to hear himself compared to the, to, to the troubled stars of them. All right, we'll let him go. We'll let you go. We'll be back on the other side of the sports weekend to break it all down for you and try and make sense of it. And until then, for everybody at Extra Points, and make sure, oh, by the way, the prop quiz is up there now, extrapoints.com. Get in on that ASA AMP and make sure you're checking out all the great shows on the Extra Points Network. And for Hench, Spaghetti, and the rest of the game, ooh, go back and listen to Coley earlier in the week, too. Um, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>